All right, here's the question. How many of you are ready to study God's Word today? Amen. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles. First Kings today. First Kings, in this series, we are talking about how often our lives get out of rhythm. How often we develop these unhealthy patterns, unhealthy habits in our lives. And so I found 10 signs that your life is out of rhythm. These are kind of funny. Here we go. 10 signs you might be suffering from burnout. If number 10, if you consider a 40-hour work, uh, work week a vacation week, that's a bad sign. If a total stranger asks, hi, how are you? And you tell them for the next 30 minutes, that's a bad sign. Number eight, if your new inbox at work is called the garbage can. Amen? Come on now. If number seven, you wake up to discover your bed is on fire, but go back to sleep because you just don't care. Number six, if you have been so busy, you just realized, hey, I forgot to go to the bathroom yesterday. <laughs> it, it, number five, if you don't set an alarm clock because work always calls at 5 a.m. anyway. Number four, you actually get more sleep at work than you do at home. Number three, if you watch soap operas on TV with envy because their problems seem less complicated than your own. That's a bad sign. Number two. If the calendar app on your phone just ran out of memory. And number one, if the thought crosses your mind, boy, it sure would be relaxing to be in the hospital right now. <laughs> Guess what? This message is for you. Uh, today, we're going to learn from one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament named Elijah. And so, 1 Kings chapter 18, if you did not bring a Bible, please go ahead and grab your phone or a device. If you have that technology, you can look it up on the internet. Just type in 1 Kings chapter 18, and uh, Google will give you the passage of Scripture just like that. You notice there's no TV here today. There's nothing on a screen. This is one of those Sundays that we do where it's just you and your Bible as we study God's Word together. So, Please, please, please go ahead and find 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, there was a time in the life of Elijah when he got out of rhythm. Uh, he, he got burned out. He lost his focus, and he couldn't handle the stress anymore. And in this season of Elijah's life, he discovered some lessons about being emotionally healthy that we can learn from today. And the first thing we see, Steve May points out that that burnout is something that can happen to anybody. And sometimes we will look at people who seem like these great spiritual leaders, and we think, look at that guy. He is just so tapped into God's power. Look at that woman. She is just, just so spiritually in tune. I sure wish that I could be like that. And Elijah was one of those kinds of people. He was one of the greatest men Whoever lived, he was a leader among leaders. In fact, here in 1 Kings chapter 18, he is about to experience the greatest victory of his entire life. Now, this is a season in the life of the Israelites where they have turned their backs on God. They are worshiping other idols. They are worshiping a pagan god called Baal. And here in 1 Kings chapter 18, let's pick up the story in verse 21, it says, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And so Elijah says to the people, here in verse 21, you have to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? Baal or God? You cannot have it both ways. And then Elijah went out and did something kind of crazy. He went to the prophets of Baal and he issued to them a challenge. He said, let's have a, a showdown. What we'll do is each of us prepare a bull for sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. And so what we'll do, he said, is let's each build a big altar for sacrifice. You build an altar to Baal, and I will build an altar to God. And, and then we will pray for fire to fall down from heaven and burn up the sacrifice. And whoever has fire fall and burn up the sacrifice wins. And so the prophets of Baal accepted the challenge. And so they both prepare their altars. And they both get a bull ready to be sacrificed. And so when they built this, this big stack of wood that they've gathered and, and prepared this huge bonfire, the prophets of Baal, Nate, uh, Elijah says, you go first. And so they go first. And, 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 and 450 prophets of Baal... 450 of them begin to pray and cry out and they, they cry to Baal and they scream and they, they, they dance and they, they, uh, they do all this crazy stuff. They, they tear their clothes and it says that they mutilate their own bodies even, desperate for the pagan god Baal to answer them, but nothing happened. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps Baal is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. See, sarcasm is not a new thing. Elijah was really good at it. And so finally, after hours of chanting and screaming, the prophets of Baal give up. And they step to the side and say, okay, Elijah, it's your turn. And so Elijah has prepared his altar. He's made it up big and impressive. And he gets a bull and has it strapped down on top of the altar to prepare for sacrifice. And then he, he does something strange. He, he has them dig a trench all the way around the altar. And then he calls for the people to bring buckets of water. And, he, and he, they take all these buckets of water and they pour them all over the sacrifice until it's running down and beginning to fill the trench. And he says, that's not enough. Do it again. And so a second time, they bring all these buckets of water and they pour them over the sacrifice until it's just dripping and pouring down. And he says, do it again. And so a third time, they come and they bring all these buckets of water and they pour it over until the whole thing is soaked and drenched and dripping and the whole trench is filled with water. And then the people watch as Elijah begins to pray, wondering what's going to happen. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up even the water in the trench. Folks, the fire of God fell down. The people are convinced. The people of Israel fall on their faces and declare, surely the Lord our God is the God Almighty. Now what I want you to think of, what, it's, it's a cool story. It's a really cool story. And what I want you to think of is, imagine how Elijah felt in that moment. I mean, was this not like the coolest thing ever? It's like, oh yeah, God is awesome. God helped him bring an entire nation to repentance. This has to be better than winning the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup. Am I right? I mean, his name is starting to trend on Twitter and Facebook. His, his face is all over Instagram. This has to be the greatest moment of Elijah's life. But here's what we need to catch. Here is what sometimes catches us by surprise. After this great victory, Elijah becomes especially vulnerable. Now, I know this seems strange, but here's what we need to understand. We are as vulnerable to stress after a victory as we are after a defeat. Follow me. We are just as vulnerable to stress after a victory as we are after a defeat. A defeat. Now, I know that doesn't make sense because our culture says that winning is everything. Winning is great. Winning is what it's all about. Winning will make you happy. And so sometimes we become surprised to discover that after a great victory in our life, Satan rushes in to attack us. And there are three reasons. Number one, because after a victory, you are tired. Success requires hard work, long hours, commitment, dedication, sacrifice. It wears you out physically and emotionally. And so after a victory, you're tired and especially vulnerable to temptation. Number two, after a victory, you are dissatisfied. It is never as good as you think it will be. What happens to just, just about everybody who accomplishes their, goal, their goals, whoever climbs to the top of the mountain and gets what it is that they've always wanted, just about everybody gets to the top of the mountain, looks around and says, is this all there is? I, I thought success would feel better than this. And number three, after a victory, you are targeted. See, when nobody knows your name, you can fly under the radar. People leave you alone. But as soon as you get famous, as soon as people know your name, in come the criticisms. That you become a target for attack. And so that's what happened to Elijah. He received a message from Queen Jezebel, the wicked queen. Go to the next chapter, chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. 
and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. She said, Elijah, boy, I am coming to take you down. And listen, folks, you need to understand, whenever you try to accomplish something good, people are going to try to tear you down. And so how did Elijah respond? 1 Kings 19, verse 3. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. Listen to his prayer. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, are we talking about the same guy here? Is this not the same guy who just conquered the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven? Is this not the same guy who just had the greatest victory of his life? And folks, all of us can think of people who we know who are successful. People who have done amazing things, they've accomplished their goals, they've gotten everything they thought they wanted in life. And yet, how often we find out later that those people are depressed. How often people who have outside success, many times on the inside, are crumbling. How many times we discover that they're addicted to alcohol or addicted to painkillers. How they've made some horrible, foolish, destructive decision in their lives. Maybe they had, they had an affair and destroyed their family. We see this right now in America on the news. All these people who their secrets are coming out. Who've done horrible things. But they're successful on the outside. But on the inside, things have been falling apart. Robert Schuller says that one of the most difficult times in his life was at the age of 40 when he had accomplished all of his goals... And then he didn't know what to do next. He says, on the outside, I was successful. I had accomplished everything that I had set out to accomplish. God had blessed me. He said, but on the inside, he was depressed. See, burnout can happen to anybody. And when it does, when we get out of rhythm in our lives, it confuses our thinking. When he received that message from Jezebel, Something snapped inside of Elijah that all of a sudden, it messed with his head. He became irrational. Elijah, remember, he had just stood up against an entire nation. He just stood against 450 prophets, nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, against 450 men. He just saw God do this most amazing miracle. And now, all of a sudden, one little message from Jezebel, from one little messenger, sends him running off in a panic. He was not thinking straight. And listen to me, when you start to think that your problem is bigger than your God, you're not thinking straight. 
Amen? Listen, there is no problem that is bigger than your God. Amen? Listen. And, and, and so, so he tried to escape. He tried to run off and, and get away from his problems, and he started to self-pity. Look at the end of verse 4 again. Elijah says, I am no better than my ancestors. You see what he's doing here? He's blaming his family for his problems. And how often do we blame our parents? We blame society. We blame other people for our problems. Still in chapter 19. Look down at verse 10. Elijah's talking to God here. Verse 10. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. He says, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He says, I'm the only one. Nobody else has it as bad as me. But look at verse 18. When you go down to verse 18, God speaks back to Elijah, and God says, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. God says, you think you're the only one, but you're not. See, there is a big difference between one and 7,000. But Elijah, he thinks, oh, I'm the only one. Nobody else has it as bad as me. Nobody else works as hard as I do. Nobody else cares as much as I do. Nobody else understands. How many of us have ever been there? where we get into that kind of thinking. But in fact, there were thousands who were with him. And he, listen, he was the one who had run away from them. See, sometimes like Elijah, we run away from the community of believers rather than run to them when things get hard in our lives. We quit going to church. We... We quit going to our small group. We separate ourselves from the very lifelines that God has given us to help us. And God says, Elijah, you, you don't have to be alone. There are people who know what you're going through. They'll understand. Elijah, I'm helping them, and I can help you too. Now, this would be a pretty sad story if we ended right there. Wouldn't that be sad? Thanks for coming, folks. The end. But fortunately, fortunately, Elijah is down, but he is not out. What did Elijah do to break free from this burnout? How did he get his life back into rhythm? Well, here's what we want to look at. Elijah then took 40 days to be alone with God. Now, maybe you can't take 40 days off from work to spend as a prayer retreat, but maybe you could take a few days. Maybe you could take one day. Maybe you could take an afternoon. And during this time, there were three things that I think contributed to Elijah getting back on track in his life. First of all, number one, he refreshed his body. He refreshed his body. Look back at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. We, we already went down, uh, like I think as far as verse 18. But let's skip back up to verse 5. It says, then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. L listen, 
Here's the word of the Lord to you. Some of you need a nap, okay? (laughs) He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was a cake of baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. See, sometimes we get burned out and run down simply because we are not eating right and we're not resting right. We need rest and sleep. People will say, oh man, I don't have enough time to take a day off. There was a pastor, the story is told, a pastor who who bragged all the time about how he never took a break, worked seven days a week, never took a day off. He, He said, the devil doesn't take a day off so neither do I, I'll rest when I get to heaven. Listen, the devil didn't take a day off, true, but Jesus did. See, see the Bible commands that we take Sabbath, as Drew taught about last week. That we were not designed to run seven, eight, nine days in a row that the rhythm of life is designed all throughout nature in seasons of rest and work, even as we head into winter, the season where where nature takes a rest and we bundle up. (laughs) That, 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 That what we need to understand is we need to rest and refresh. Yes, true, the devil did not take a day off, but Jesus did. Who would you rather be like? Amen? And so for Elijah, eating right mattered too. Sometimes, listen, your diet, how you eat, affects how you feel. Next, release your frustration to God in prayer. What he did next is Elijah poured out his frustration to God. Now, we already said that a lot of the things that he poured out and complained to God about were not accurate. He was not thinking straight because he was burned out and out of rhythm in his life. He was confused in his thinking. But listen, if he had not poured out his heart to God, he would not have been able to give God the opportunity to correct his thinking in prayer. And listen, listen. Imagine, imagine how different our lives would be if instead of praying, we spent all of our time worrying, which is what we generally do, and imagine how different our lives would be if instead of worrying, we spent more time praying. Imagine how different our lives would be. But then as he poured out his heart to God, the third thing he did was listen to God's voice. Look at verse 11. This is good stuff. Chapter 19, verse 11. And so the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And in that whisper, 
Elijah experienced the presence of God. Think about this. When someone whispers to you, what do you need to do to hear their voice? You have to be quiet. See, so often we complain to everybody about our problems. And we even complain to God about our problems. But do we ever stop and listen to what he has to say back to us? And it was God's voice that brought healing and wholeness to Elijah's life. God's voice got him back on track. But you will never hear God's voice if you never carve out time in your life to listen to God's voice. And so in just a moment, we are going to do something pretty special. But before we do this special exercise that I think will be very valuable and a practice that you can carry out into your daily life for the rest of your life. But before we do, I want to do something that I, I, I don't often do, which is I just want to give you some advice for a minute. Usually I like to just teach the Bible and let God apply it to your heart. And, but I, I want to tell you straight up what to do and what not to do for just a second. So take this with a grain of salt. This is just my advice. But I think there's some truth to it. If you are out of rhythm right now in your life, if you're in a season of burnout, whatever you do, don't make any big major decisions. Don't quit your job. You know, don't, don't quit your church. Don't leave your spouse. Don't make some big life-altering decision when you are in a season of burnout. Because as we've talked about, the fact is, you are probably not thinking straight in that season. So before you make any big decisions, you need to seek God and establish some healthy patterns in your life like we've talked about today. Eating right, exercise, rest, and most of all, we need to listen for God's voice. And one of the greatest ways that you can hear God's voice is through scripture. Over the last three or four months, our pastoral staff has been practicing a discipline during our staff meetings where we meditate upon God's word. To meditate on God's word simply means you open to a passage of scripture, you read it, you study it for a moment, you think on it, and then you ask God in a season of silence to give his application to your heart. What does he want to say to you through that scripture? And so just as our pastoral staff has been doing, uh, each week, really, for months now, we've been spending time meditating upon God's word together. We're going to do the same thing today. This is a practice that you can use in your daily life. And so right now, we're going to put it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. We have it up on the screen here in the Celebration Center. Those of you who are watching us online right now, we put it, we're going to put it right up on the screen for you to see as well. Let me read it to you, and then we're going to spend some time in meditation. Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring 
whose waters never fail. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that as we ponder each word, as word for word, line for line, we spend some time soaking up your word, meditating upon your truth. We invite you to speak to our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening.